on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I think my ability to ignore things is a superpower. So if you let things stress you or hold you down, yeah, and you're not going to succeed. We have, because I have 10 or 15 companies, a lot of products, but like 10 core companies, right? and two are breaking even or losing some money, 10, 20 grand, whatever a month. My my employees are like, are you not, you're okay you're with okay? that? I'm like, no, I'm not okay with that. Go figure it out. But I'm not, I'm not going to let it hold me back for the other companies that are maybe profiting 40 or 50 grand. You don't want to let one thing pull you back. And saying it's a microcosm. You have to ignore that and figure out the path forward that, you know, is most beneficial for your client to benefit you. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Mark Bauman here on the King stage. Mark, how are we doing? Great. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, man. It's it's Thursday, kind of a little bit of a rainy Thursday, but what a great day to do a podcast, right? Like another another part of the world. You're out in Cali. Glad to have you on the show, brother. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, let's let's start with. I mean, you're you're a man of many businesses, a portfolio, if you will. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what, what you're what you got your hands into? Yeah, sure. I uh, basically just kind of have a media company, which then I started adding on layering in businesses over the last 10 years. And um, mainly because my main company had gotten up to like 40 or 50 million. And then there was like a downturn within that industry. So I decided to leverage some of that revenue to build in other revenue streams. That took me on another path. At the same time, I was working with a gentleman that I got introduced to in Canada built some really smart digital fingerprinting. Digital fingerprinting is kind of something that YouTube uses to recognize content. There's is called content ID. Nice. And so that gentleman came up with, had a great technology that was out, out that had outperformed in a speed test, relevancy test, data test with YouTube. So we built a platform around that. And then in that industry, which is DMCA enforcement, we and kind of royalty claiming and rights, we okay. expanded by acquiring other businesses in that industry. I acquired a business that was protected called DMCA Force that was protecting masterclass.com and SiriusXM already and a couple other large studios. So that was nice. So we got into that realm, ended up working with another company who was generating royalty rights for Warner Brothers. So that was fun. And we ended up like creating, you know, I think it was like 10 or 15% additional revenue for Warner Brothers on their royalty claimings on just their royalty rights. Yeah, And then since then, acquired a lot of other companies too, because I own an advertising agency. So I started acquiring products that would complement the traffic that we have access to well, yeah. that we saw margins for. Uh, those were great. Those went up 3, 10x, depending on the product. And then I've just been acquiring other products. Just recently, I decided to acquire an Amazon kind of fulfillment company to see, not like a 3PL, but just an Amazon store and brand yeah. because it had great rankings on Amazon, just to see if we add products into this store with great rankings 
how well does that product do, you know, feeding off those rankings? And then how do yeah. we, how do we grow that? But because you can grow it by pushing traffic into Amazon, and then Amazon compensates you with other audiences. If you're driving traffic or you're driving a lot of sales. Mm. So that's been pretty interesting. Yeah. Interesting is a good word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also bought a music licensing site called sound.com.com. And like it spells out the dot com. Um, I'm rebrand that to pickmusic.com and we're going to tie it into these creator platforms, allow people to distribute music that doesn't require a license. Got a lot of other stuff, you know, some not successful, like I had a CBD company would acquired <clears throat> the person that wanted to run that kind of just wasn't had big dreams, but did, didn't actually want to take action. Not so a lot of execution. Talk about. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of sat, sat on the shelf a little bit. We're reviving that a little bit this year. I own 1500 domain names, really like domains, everything from like Daphne.com to MovieCon to OGKush.com and all sure. kinds of cool stuff if you're into weed. Yeah. Uh, and then we were on, I forgot what it was, it was some kind of news, news site, but also there's a Netflix documentary about it. Part of the reason I started the uh, enforcement size. I was building something called face checks, which is a kind of hasn't come to fruition yet, but that was to help people monitor their images online because the girlfriend at the time had their images put up online without her consent. And it was uh, somebody hacked her. And I guess this guy was going around paying a Russian guy to hack women and then say it was like re revenge porn. He ended up going to jail with the FBI and they did a series on it on Netflix. In the wow. Yes. Netflix is, is anyone up is, is what the site was, but I crashed their website for a few days to, you know, in order for them to remove the content. Yeah. <clears throat> and so that, that worked. And I got this lady contacting me who also had her, her daughter was hacked and I helped them remove the content. She then follows through and goes through to the FBI and gets this guy put in jail. Now there's a Netflix documentary that just came out back in July. Can't remember the name of it, the most hated man on the internet. So that's wow. Yeah. So we're not in it because we decided we didn't want to kind of be part of the dramatization of it. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah that was something I was integral in yeah. back in 2013. I think. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a, a, just a prevalent thing as, as the internet and, and unfortunately hackers, scammers, you know, the whole deal becomes more prevalent. You, you have, you're obviously well-established. You got a lot of cool things happening. I think that the perspective that you're going to be able to give listeners today is, is incredible. So I definitely want to get into some some situational things where we can pick out some of your mindset and the way that you think. I think anybody who's who's listening is like, whoa. So just just appreciate all that. I think that there's a serial entrepreneur piece to you. Obviously, you know, we'll get into some of this in your journey as well. But a lot of people think serial entrepreneurialism is sexy, but it doesn't it doesn't always just happen to where you just start acquiring companies. Like there's a little bit of a process to maybe building that first company, like you mentioned, and then adding on. So maybe we can get into that as well. I want to know, but before we get into the story and kind of like the, the journey for you, like at this level, you're talking about some major success. You threw out some pretty big numbers. There's sure lifestyle and things that, you know, pretty much you have well taken care of. Why push? Why go buy more businesses? Why acquire new things? Why revive a CBD company? Like what, what, what's got you pushing even now? Yeah, that's a good question. It's kind of the same question that people propose themselves of why sell. So um, almost, so I, I bought a, another website and company called starttrading.com, which has educated people how to trade stocks. That's all, also developed into a, this other platform, educated people on how to create their own buy and sell signals where they pro, can programmatically purchase. Yeah, yeah. And 
in that, like when you're investing, you need cash flow, you need, you know, dry powder to use to buy stocks and you need to continually buy into them because they, they go on downturns and that's the best time to buy is when they're like downturn, 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 bye bye. And then it goes, starts going upturn. Yep. So even if you bought up here, you could still like bring down your cost for getting into that investment when it's at this level. It's almost like you bought in here just so you can be in the game to see when it's going to dip. Right. And that's when you get your, your best opportunities. I, I a lot of times fail to buy once it goes back up because I'm like, oh, great. Hope you it's going to keep going. And, that keep going. Again, and you're like, okay. <laughs> we but, get a little greedy. <laughs> yeah. But <clears throat> same principle. You need residual. You, you need money to flow that and fund your life. I like to live a you know, good, comfortable life. I like to travel every month. I like the interaction with people. I like business development keeps the brain going. I just started 40 this year. So I'm not like that old or anything. But yeah, so I can't speak of like huge reverence for the past, but yeah, I, yeah. I like to, you know, just basically be comfortable in what I'm doing and, you know, not really have to be holding to anything in particular in choices in my life on what, what I want to do on a daily basis. So if I want to continue to live that lifestyle, I need to have that residual income pumping, especially if I want to live a more relaxed lifestyle. And so with these businesses, I could eventually sell them. I could possibly sell them now. Um, but you know, it's all a lot of work. And then the gain, typically you sell business for what, two years, maybe four years profits, right? But there's no 10 X selling happening. At least that I know of in the last five years and we help people broker businesses. So four sure. X is the best you're going to get. And then what are you going to do in four years when you do not have a better solution that you're going to then do to take over a business? So sure. what's your new business plan you have to come up with? entirely new business plan, new structure, then you got to rebuild all these structures. You'd hopefully buy something, but most things are maybe generating five, 10, 20 grand in profit among most businesses. You know, yeah. there's just those few that are generating the hundred thousand plus a month in profits. And I'm not talking about right. revenue. Like we right. did 40 something million in, in revenue in one year. And I still made only a million or 2 million in profits Yeah, maybe at the end. So, and then we, then the following year we did 20 million and still made a million or 2 million in profit. So it's, you know, it's just, it's all relative, the size aspect. And it's great if you're getting somebody else's money, but I was never good at taking other people's money and then, you know, capitalizing on other people's money. It's just not my, yeah, not my shtick, not my thing. Yeah. It, you bring an interesting dynamic. Obviously there's the, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep perspective. And I think that this, it's a, it's applicable to every business along the way. I guess my question to you though, is, is there a difference between a guy listening right now? Who's at, let's say 500 K for the year. And it's just him and a guy. And he's thinking, well, if I, if I go to, if I go to 5 million, it's just a bunch of stress, a bunch of extra. And, and right. probably I'm only going to make, you know, double, right. Is it really that worth it? And so I guess my question to you, because that's the same mindset, but at some point, what I have found is that it gets big enough to where it's easier. So even though maybe you make maybe less per dollar, it becomes easier. Is that true for you and what you've seen in your experience? Yeah, I, I think once you get comfortable in a business, you maybe you know, there's ongoing costs and there's plateaus of the business. So yeah, I, I could say I'd see that, but that's why it's good to, instead of doing something else or selling is maybe finding something that complement the business well. Right. I was fortunate that somebody, when I was offered a line of credit of like half a million dollars from B of A, so was like, well, if the money's there, you should probably take it. So I ended up taking that, leveraging in that into acquiring a business later on when we needed to, even though we, the, we didn't necessarily need the capital at the time, but I still went for it anyways. So that's definitely something that you should look at if somebody's offering to give you money 
at a, at a decent rate. You know, so right. you should probably maybe not jump at it, but you should consider it. Yeah, I, I'll echo that. I don't I don't tell many stories on my end in the shows, but you're 100 percent right. It's usually when when you don't need any sort of funding that you should look for it. <laughs> Cause yeah. it's when you, when you do need it or when you want it to be able to move something forward, that something, something's in the way and then you get jammed up. So that's a, that's a great little nugget for the listener. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's talk about your story. Let's talk about before you even entrepreneur, like how did you get into business to begin with? What was your first venture? How, give us the story of the younger you. Yeah, sure. I had a friend that was doing the whole, like getting paid to surf online to click on things. That was a big thing a few years ago where you get paid to just click around on things. Yeah, And that was back in 2000, like 97 to 2000. They just get paid to surf the internet and people, you make thousands of dollars just literally going around clicking on things because that's, you know, stores were green and they were just paying for clicks. They thought, oh, get customers in the door. Yeah. And we turn a profit, but, you know, lo and behold, somebody took advantage of that. Weird. So, (laughs) so that, that was kind of what was happening then. I, I wouldn't say we were like, take advantage of it. Maybe the, the person that brought me in was, and so were some other people that were kind of in our like sphere and high school and whatnot. And so that was kind of like a big thing then. So we were doing that. And then that person's like, Hey, you know, we could expand this. We could do like an entertainment company. And so we did that together. That became real big. We started promoting other products, became like a super affiliate. And then this thing called the dialer came out. The dialer is where you would is before the internet, in order to get on the internet, you'd have to get this software and then you'd pay per minute you were on the internet. So literally every minute you'd be paying like a dollar and you get thousands of people paying a dollar a minute just to surf the internet. It's a lot of money. And so we were figuring out how to drive the best users. So that ended up turning into these marketing pages and most of it was video games, naked women, or what else? That was pretty much it, an email. (laughs) That was the entire internet, like Game Coast to Zelda. So there's using a lot of that, that content to just basically get users to go to a page and then try to surf around. Yeah. And so that was pretty much where we started. And then valuable lesson there, since I was like 17, I think when we started it, most of it was under his father's name. And so I didn't really have ownership, although we were, we were partnering. And mm-hmm. so that later down the road became a problem. I ended up suing that partner wow. uh, like 2008, 2009. But it was a good learning lesson. Learned a lot about internet marketing, how to write code, how to decipher web pages, how to build web pages, yeah. build some good connections, which then you know, led to my marketing company. And from there, you know, partnered with another person that went a little bit better, but definitely learned to basically, even though you're like 17 or 18, especially if you're starting a business with a friend, you got to make sure you have like contracts in place. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. It, it's a it, easy thing to oversight for sure. One thing that I just picked up from your story that I can totally relate to even in my own, and I want to know if you'll agree, is that each thing I've done along the way, because I've been in several industries you know, along the way, and it always seems like the one thing prepared me for the next. Just like you just said, like even though it was kind of a tragic situation, you kind of had to go through a lawsuit and stuff like that, and you know, there's some learning points, it actually <laughs> prepared you for the next thing. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. If what you're about not learning, then you, you know, obviously you're, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. If you, if you feel you're not learning at some yeah. point still. Yeah. Unless you think you're done, right? Like if, if the story ends here, then, then what's left. But if you, if you're on this journey for fulfillment or the next version of yourself or the next thing that you can create, whatever it is, right. Right. The next, the next business that can, that can provide the lifestyle. What about 
What about a trait? I want to know something that you feel like that you have that's kept you from success unexpectedly, maybe. Yeah. So my ability to ignore things is a superpower. So if you let things stress you or hold you down and you're not going to succeed, we have like, you know, because I have like 10 or 15 companies, a lot of products, but like 10 core companies and two are, you know, breaking even or losing some money, 10, 20 grand, whatever a month, you know, my, my employees are like, are you, you're not, you're okay with that. I'm like, no, I'm not okay with that. Like go figure that out. But I'm not, you know, I'm not going to like let it hold me back for the other companies that are maybe profiting 40 or 50 grand. So it's like, you know, you don't want to let one thing pull you back and and saying as a microcosm, if there's one client or customer, like granted, most businesses that have an 80, 20 rule, 20% of your customers are going to provide 80% of your revenue. Mm-hmm. So if that's one of those clients, I get it. You know, you, you need to cater to that client. And in that case, you know, it's hard, hard to avoid stressing over that, those types of things, but you have to ignore that and kind of figure out the path forward that, you know, it's most beneficial for your client to benefit you. Yeah. Yeah. It's good perspective. I think that the the language that I've used over the course of time is that you have to look the other way. <laughs> yeah, as you say, ignore. Um, and it's not about not being profitable. It's about the overall picture, right? Especially if you own multiple businesses, you have to have a global perspective, mm. which sometimes over over oversteps or supersedes the the individual. What what about what about a good decision? I want to know maybe early on when you're kind of just you know figuring some stuff out, maybe in that first initial media company, a good decision that you made that you can look back on and go, this one decision that I made changed the trajectory forever for all of us. I would say the one decision I made at that point <laughs> that while I was within the company or exiting. Yeah, either either I think both would be a great perspective, but yeah, either one either one that comes to mind. Yeah, I'd say within the company, um, hmm. I guess uh, reliance on affiliate marketers and identifying. So if you have a website, so there's, and it's funny because my partner at the time couldn't understand, well, didn't either chose not to understand or didn't want to kind of factor it into our costs. But when you have, if you get a hundred thousand users sent to your website, about thousand to 10,000 of those will come back. So when you're building and you're trying to attract marketers, try to attract more users and traffic, typically the best course of action is you'll have about 10 to 20% of your users. If, if so, so say an affiliate sends you a hundred thousand users and you break even with that affiliate, but you notice you got to pay attention to your type and traffic and your, your web traffic and return users and social media boosts and whatnot, you know, it's all kinds of stuff now, but, Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll see an uptick there. And if you don't, if you want to be competitive, you need to, you know, compensate for that or somehow draw back those customers because you see this residual income coming in and it might not pay off right away, but that affiliate. Now, if you have 10% coming back, you, that means you can pay this guy 10% more, especially that 10% obviously is purchasing. So sure, sure. a lot of that people don't, don't kind of take factor that in and they're just, you know, their competitors do or their competitors by six months out. So they expect to get their money back in six months instead of one month or, you know, 60 days or whatnot. So right. that, that's one thing that I think was super integral. We had like a million users coming to the website, how those million users get there. You know, it wasn't just all from us marketing, you know, it was just 
Yeah. You know, it had to be from our affiliates because that's where most of the marketing was coming from. Yeah, exactly. I think that even for business owners that maybe don't have affiliates, maybe they're not in the online space, it's strategic partnerships, right? Like other mm-hmm. people that run in the similar vein that can pass their traffic to you. It's right. the same idea, same thought. Would you say that that decision, I mean, obviously it's leverage, right? You're leveraging you know, this, this, this point of traffic. If, if you hadn't have done that, or, or what would have been the repercussion, I guess? If someone hasn't done that yet, what are they missing out on? Of Obviously, other than mm-hmm. the, the traffic, but what's the compound effect over that over you know, 10 plus years of building? Yeah, I'd say if, if you haven't done that yet, you're probably holding back your, built, your growth potential. So if you're not factoring in all the vector points to how your business is growing yeah. and how they contribute to that, you, you, know, you're not just, you didn't just come up with a genius product and everybody wants to go see it. Right. And to drive it there somehow so that you need to pay attention to that and yeah. then figure out, you know, because if you don't, then you're not going to compensate those affiliates, for example, appropriately. Right. And maybe they're going to go promote something else. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Yeah. I had a guy, a flex screen on my show a week or so ago, and he got a deal on Shark Tank and he's a partner with Lori. And it's the same thing, right? Like that exposure or that now partnership, that strategic partner has enabled him to get into arenas that maybe he wouldn't have before. And we all think of that as like, oh, that's Shark Tank. Like we all get it, right? Like it's a TV show, we get it. It's notoriety, it's it's authority, it's a, a huge partnership. But these things can happen, what you're saying, without necessarily a TV show. Well, you can go create right, partnerships right. or affiliates that can be a, a movement for your growth. And what would be the best way for you know a guy listening right now? Maybe he's in the tech space, maybe media, maybe he's a maybe he's an electrician. I don't know. How how would you suggest going and getting affiliates? Yeah, there's the easiest way is just affiliate networks. And they just take a, a small percentage and they basically already have a pool of affiliates that pertain to a particular industry. Yeah. And there's, you know, it's probably about a hundred of them. And so that's the easiest thing is just to get yourself out there into that space, get yourself into Facebook groups, Instagram groups, right. stuff like that pertaining to your industry, pertaining to your space, or, you know, have somebody do that if you're not such a good marketer or social, social light. Love it. Good stuff. Good practical stuff. Hope the listeners paying attention and taking yeah. notes because you're giving them good stuff. What about a bad decision? Something that you did, you know, that just didn't work out really well at all. Yeah, I'd say, you know, the the initial friend and business thing that would I would say that was probably the worst decision rely on that. But like on a business level, there have been plenty of bad decisions. I think it was a lot of it was probably, you know, employee related and oversight. You know, it's hard to pinpoint like bad decisions that I would have made except for maybe keeping good people just because they want a little extra, even though at the time it wasn't you know possible. And, and there's a little bit of a dynamic. There's still, you know, could have let go of John to say Peter and, you know, John went away anyways, and Peter would have been a much better keep. So it's yeah. kind of, you know, you know, and without pinpointing specific people and stuff like that, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd say those are probably the more integral decisions business wise like you know i've bought businesses that i've never bought a business that really they've all gone up we've had i've had businesses that i've acquired that maybe like i've had to like pursue litigation against people because they misrepresented the business but sure sure it's hard to avoid that you just have a due diligence period and yeah and assume everything's fine but you know there's businesses i've bought that like it's doing like 10k a month and then like you take it over to zero <laughs> you're <Yeah>. like <laughs> oh, okay so this is fake wait right? a second <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, but that was in contracts around that person, like staying on to manage it, et cetera, et cetera. He just violated them, lives in the UK. So I have to assume basically it was almost yeah. two years ago now. So, yeah. 
That's the reality. I mean, I think I think you could given a good perspective of you can make bad decisions. You even gave us several examples, partnership, employees, even the mismanagement of maybe relationships. I think all of that is super applicable, but then even in addition to that, to the the last little situation there with, uh, with, you know, the UK situation, but would you say, I mean, obviously at your level, like you have a, you have, you have teams, multiple teams. And so is, is people, people management, key roles, you know, the development obviously of business is done by your people. So is that mostly what you're focused on now when you're thinking of like good decisions, obviously acquiring good businesses, but also, you know, the people that are inside? Yeah, I think the hardest thing for any employee to understand is how to become a business owner because they they keep themselves stuck in that employee bubble. Yeah, And so it's basically taking, like, how, how do you instill in that employee how to stack money, right? So it's like, yeah. okay, I give you these clients to work with. <clears throat> these clients generate, you know, hundred thousand dollars a month for my company. You now have to generate a hundred thousand and 10,000, you know, $110,000 right. for these clients to be successful. Super easy thing to do as an individual to grow like 10% of your client base the employees though will then take on that role, but they only look at it as a role. They don't see it as a ability to then leverage that for bigger prospects. Right. But it's the same thing as somebody giving you a hundred thousand dollars. So a lot of them look at it as work versus reward opportunity, right? So every job is an opportunity. And so trying to instill that in people that yeah. all, all us, you, whoever has a business could do is provide you an opportunity. And the opportunity might be, I'm giving you a hundred thousand dollar client base. That's huge, right? That's a million over a million dollars a year. So you just yep. really acquired a million dollar business for nothing. You didn't do anything. Right. The employee coming into the company, you know, they have their own self-worth, but they're literally worthless to the company company terms until they actually create something right? right and a lot of people i think it's media and, and things like that build up employees and, and miss there's like misnomers out there on like what life should be as an employee and blah 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 blah. but no you should just think of yourself as an entrepreneur business owner at all times because then you're going to be more successful yeah it gets you into the mindset <clears throat> of money which then makes you more valuable it's funny that what the, the the way my brain was understanding what you're saying is you know you gave me a hundred thousand dollars and the employee thinks, okay, you're going to pay me to count it. You're going to pay me to count it, put it in the right order, make sure it's in nice little stacks. And it's like, well, no, actually that's good. Like I like my money in order. <laughs> I yeah, like it all faced the right way, sure. <laughs> but we got to, well, we got to, we got to add to it. How do we use it right. to add to it? <clears throat> and so right. would you agree with that understanding? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And so the, then the game now becomes, how do I, how do I teach? Right. How do I motivate? Right. How do I inspire? How do I agree with people on my team into this nether level of thinking. So that way we we're not just counting it and putting it in the right order. We're, we're using it to, to be able to grow. Yeah. And how do you agree with overly agreeable people or overly disagreeable people? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can take a whole rabbit trail on culture (laughs) and personalities and leadership and we can talk for days, days and days and days. Okay. I want to know in our speed round here, uh, my first question is around KPIs. You've obviously got a lot of different types of businesses in your portfolio, but if you could only pick one thing to track in all of the Mm -hmm. businesses, what would that one thing be? Yeah. Just gross net revenue. So cash flow off of gross net revenue coming in. So if you if you know your business is at 10,000 a month and you have 10,000 a month flowing in and you know your expenses, you just have to keep an eye on your gross net revenue. So, you know, your credit card is always at this level. You know, your, your payroll is always at this level. You know, your marketing budgets at this level, 
you got to make sure that none of those levels change unless your gross net profit's changing and then just keep an eye on that. And that's, that's the best metric you possibly do. Yeah. All the other, all the other stuff just contributes to it anyways. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I loved how you gave the, a couple of different depictions there of some of the stabilizers, the other things that you're paying attention to. Those are obviously important, but they all flow into the one you're right. Yeah. Mark, what- try, Oh, and try to compartmentalize those categories so it's easier to yeah. keep track of that gross net revenue. So it is. don't worry about you know, your membership at blah, 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 whatever software you're paying for. It's all That all falls under their operations or marketing. Employees yes. fall under operations or you know, marketing. You, you sure. categorize them those two ways or just payroll. You know, just don't, don't try to com- overcomplicate you yeah. literally only have this much, but you're like, oh, but this guy is so amazing. Yeah, the amazing guy, if he's in this category in your business and that the part of the business is not doing so well, that guy's not going to be with you much longer. And yeah. he's probably the contributing factor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that the the ability that you said you have to ignore, or in this case, kind of maybe just group things together, not be overly detailed, not split hairs, gives you the ability to maybe make bigger, maybe quicker decisions. There's obviously always a point to be granular and and to manage money well, but overall, it's probably more about the growth factor or what's prohibiting the growth as opposed to counting the cents and getting rid of a few things here and there. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. And and an example of that is if you are, if you, if you focus on how do you, you know, squeeze a little bit more out of this over here, you have to think, all right, if I, if I focus more on the marketing and I can grow the business 10 or 20% more, what is 10 or 20% of my existing business? Well, I guess those would be equal, but say, say that's only going to increase your, increase your bottom line 5%, but yeah, focusing on the marketing will increase your overall business and your longevity. Is always marketing will always out outpace like squeezing money out of a out of a you know of a rock you know, squeezing yep. water out of a rock so so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think <clears throat> I think although this is a, a really simple concept and guys like you and I we kick it back and forth like this is no big deal. It's actually a, a leverage point that most business owners I think what keeps right. them probably from seven figures to even begin with is just right. this idea of just just go grow, man. <laughs> There's just so yeah, many customers out there. Just go grow. Worrying about points, and I'm like. So I talk about his Amex points. I was like, I don't have time to look at my Amex points. Yeah, no. like, I think I have like a million points. I'm like, yeah. like what? <laughs> how is that going to benefit me? It's like, he's like, oh yeah, I don't want to use my, like, he's stressing over like using points. And I'm like, what does that have to do with like what you're doing? Like, Anything. What, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it, most, it's weird. Like 90% of business people love their Amex points. They love like for these point systems and stuff as if like yeah. that's their end all income. Maybe they're just, their businesses are breaking even. I don't know. You know, yeah. yeah. These points are great residual. It is, it is funny how those get tossed into the conversation. And my, yeah, it, it's true. It's really is true. I haven't necessarily had the conversation where like someone's been so detailed about it, although it gets brought up in conversation for sure. All the time. Right? So, it's the conversation of Amex calling me or get the email of like, Hey, we should spend time categorizing your top three. I'm like, no, I don't have, no, I just swipe. Oh, yeah. I just swipe, I pay. I swipe, I pay. I don't have time for that. <laughs> I, I had somebody visit me at my building here and they hilariously enough, they're like, hey, your spend went from like three or 400,000 a month down to 200,000 a month. We're just wondering like, what can we do to get you to spend more? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like really? Like you're coming to my office to ask me to spend more in my Amex? It's, it's so That's weird. That's funny. That's funny. Right. I mean, that's their business. I mean, it makes perfect yeah. sense. It's just, I would never, yeah. would never have expected that happening. Yeah. It's funny because I've had, I've had the similar experience with Amex, but on the opposite end. So with my franchises, (laughs) it's, it's it's seasonal, right? So we've got Valentine's day coming up. So we'll spend a ton in expected inventory Hmm. and, but it's, it's 10 X from the rest of the year. And so Amex always freaks out on me. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I've been with them for 10 plus years. I've got all these different accounts. We flow millions of dollars over a certain amount. 
Oh yeah. They freak out. I mean, they're charge guards. So there's no, there's no limit to them, but they just, they go, Whoa, wait a second. Well, what's going on here? You know, every year it's just like, guys, we do, we, we've been through this, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. Sounds good. We appreciate you. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Last Amex month, is a whole nother podcast, man. They're they're oh, I, yeah. You love them, but hate them. It's just like, Oh, you know? Yeah. They froze all my accounts last month. Cause one account owed like 5,000 that bounced back because of some accounting error with the bank. Yes. I've had that same tomorrow. thing happen. And it froze all six of my Amex cards. Literally. Except for my LLC card. So if you have your Amex and a business LLC, this is the only last thing I'll say is they have Amex and a business LLC that will not get impacted. But every single one of your other Amexes are all tied to just you. Tied to you. That's right. Yeah. So you got to get like put up under somebody else's name or something. Or put yeah. Under, <laughs> just, or get true. them all under an LLC. And then, you know, it's a little bit more expensive each year. But if one thing happens to one of them, it just freezes all your spending. And I was in Vegas at the time. It wasn't that big of a deal, but I was in Vegas. I was like, what? You're frustrated. <laughs> yeah, a little frustrated. Yeah. And frozen for like three to five days, which is not good when you have yeah. some. No, not when you're spending online. big, big amounts. Yeah, no, I had the same thing happen and and it's frustrating for yeah. sure. But first world problems, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, exactly. What book would you recommend, Mark, for a business owner trying to trying to grow their business? Yeah. So for books, I don't I, I like the one minute manager and I like the ones so that's a great book because and I'll get into this later because some of the topics I think that you want to discuss, like I was thinking about them and basically like a, another superpower I'd say of mine is just to be able to focus on something for like 15 minutes, come up with a solution and then delegate the solution. You know, don't spend more than, try not spend more than 30 minutes on a particular thing, especially filling out forms. I hate filling out forms, but uh, you know, that's probably the most time consuming stuff that in banking. So I try to avoid a lot of that stuff. But as far as like, Books, I'd say one minute manager is great because if you can spend just a minute managing each of your people, it frees up your time for the rest of the yeah. of your development, personal development, learning new things, as well as getting and building new workflows and things, or just addressing the existing workflows and improving. Yeah. Yeah. There's obviously efficiency in there. There's intentionality too. You know, mm-hmm. if you can, if you can, you know, be concise in your communication, then then there's intentionality. You have to be intentional if it's concise. Right. If you're only going to spend 15 minutes on a task, then you've got to be pretty dialed in and intentional in that 15 minutes. So I yeah. love the mindset there. What do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? Yeah. So I think we, we kind of like, oh yeah, I think we generally discussed this earlier, but I don't think, I don't think we were on, on the podcast. Sorry. So yeah. I had actually started a, a mastermind. Well, I was one of the originating mastermind people is my friend's idea. He, he, he manages one of the like biggest and oldest business development coaches out there, Brian Tracy. Yeah. His company's Branditize, great company. They have like Dr. Mike and some other people they they manage. But he That's basically cool. started this mastermind group and I thought it was great. You know, it was with some other big marketers in the space. Yeah. You know, two of them sold two companies for 20 to 40 million plus, which is cool. So it was great talking to those guys just about business and they're still friends and everything. But uh, the mastermind group for marketing, a lot of the marketing all revolves around Facebook, Instagram, or Google. And me, I was acquiring directly from websites. So it kind of, you got into a lot of discussions, but a lot of it always trailed over to that side. So I kind of, I couldn't relate, but I still, you know, I still like to just discuss general business, employee business, structural business, stuff like that. Uh, Still helpful doing these mastermind groups for sure. Understood. Yeah. It's a, it's a big deal, especially when you have maybe some differences, like even though maybe you didn't relate to the marketing play that they were all running, but that perspective probably has impacted some other things that you've been able to grow for sure. Yeah. Just- yeah and I, I think I gave me perspective when I started acquiring products, not just SaaS, because it was, I was all SaaS before. Yeah. So it's hard to find other SaaS businesses because not a ton of them. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or, or for SaaS founders specifically willing to come together and share, it's a little bit of a siloed, which I think is actually accurate for most businesses. Most business owners are siloed themselves. Right. That's why, that's why getting together with other entrepreneurs, even if they're in different industries is still a, a huge benefit. Um, yeah, I've got a question for you around habits. I asked you about something that kept you or that, that allowed you to be successful, but what do you think that, you know, when you think of someone that inspires you, what do you think that they have that, that maybe you're working on or that you don't have that, or that you would recommend that the listener jump into, or that they press into a characteristic trait, maybe a habit that maybe all successful people have, or this person that inspires you has? Yeah. I'd say just in the same realm as, you know, my inability to, to worry about like points and things like that, more financial specific things. I do have some friends that are more tailored and more kind of buttoned up in terms of their operations. Yeah. And try to find, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of people that will become their operational managers, but they really don't, you know, they don't, they don't set something you can visualize. So as being a visual person myself, and like, I think most people are visual. Yeah. I try to cater to that. And a lot of these operational folks, you got to be aware of that because they'll come in and they'll charge you five, 10 grand a month to come in and help you with your operations and consultancy, et cetera. But the, and they'll set, you know, they'll have their templates of things they do and templates and whatnot. But then if you're not getting an overall picture and, and vision, and you could probably set this beforehand is what I learned is for them to kind of share, walk you through that vision, see how well they can visualize it for you. And you can, you can visualize this to take a little time to discuss that with them. Yeah. But if they can't, then they're just really just like organizing they're like an accountant essentially. Yeah. And you're paying like a, a huge price for an accountant to kind of help structure thing, structure things. And they're not actually structuring anything. They're just kind of providing more spreadsheets that you're going to lose <laughs> or not share with your employees. So yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the sharing aspect is always and still a challenge is, is how do you get people to self-educate because you don't have enough time to educate everybody. Sure. And that's why you hire managers so that they can literally just educate people and make sure that they're all educated yeah. and doing what they're supposed to do in, the, in a positive functional way. Yeah. And the, the crux of that is you can't hire a manager until you're at least 20, 30 people strong because it's just lost revenue at that point. It's some cost. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing it yourself until then along with all the other things. And so right. here we, here we find the small business owner stuck. Yeah. So I wish I had more of that structural trade. I'm, I'm, I live in chaos. So it's a little bit, I got to find people I can help live in chaos as well but can still find structure. And then I, you know, and then you have to be mindful of always reminding yourself to provide that structure within yeah. the chaos because not many people can do that. Yeah, exactly. Love that perspective. I think most entrepreneurs or at least a lot can, can relate to that. And there's, you know, there's VA services, there's, you right. know, fractional CFO services, even at that level, if you're looking for the financial piece, there's lots of uh, options that uh, you can build a team around before maybe you have to, you know, bring those people on full-time. And so I think there's a lot of especially now more than ever with, with softwares and, and fractional services. I think that people can do that, but you still have to take the chance. You still have to, still got to go do it. You still, it's still an expense. You still have to take a chance, a, a risk because a lot of us are visionaries and organized chaos is kind of, it doesn't really get much better than that. It's okay that it's <laughs> chaos. I just like it, that organized where it has to be before it, you know, organized chaos is what all of our strong suits are probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mark, I got one last question here for you. Sure. I want to know if you could whisper in the younger Mark's ear, what would you say? Oh, get contracts. <laughs> that, was, that was Jamie, but that was the only big mistake I think is not having appropriate contracts in place. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I can't stress enough, like setting up yourself, foreseeing the failure ahead of time. So when, and it's not failure, I guess, foreseeing the exit ahead of time, because nobody sees themselves exiting a business when they're starting a business because they're passionate about it. They're excited about it. 
That's right. I'll give another, another example. When I started the advertising company, we saw an, a, was taking over managing some existing websites and saw that brokers were taking, were selling an ad for $50,000 and paying the website 20,000. That's how I started my advertising agency because there's this massive 150% gap. And it's wow. only because one of the advertisers reached out because we had, they had asked for a rate reduction. They couldn't get it. And it was, you know, the broker was being strong with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, we can bring you down. What, what are you looking to pay? They're like 40,000. I was like, oh, I looked, we're getting 20,000. I was like, what were you paying before? They're like 50. I'm like, Jesus. So even that business, that, that was a great business because that, that's the one that went up to 40 mil. <clears throat> I think it was 48 mil or 38 mil. I can't remember now. But basically that, that learning experience, when I sold that business, or sorry, when I, I still had that business, sorry, when I bought my partner out of that business, I said, hey, you know, what do you want as a buyout? It's like, and I think, I don't think it's past the NDA period, but it was some, somewhere, it was seven figures. And I was like, okay, done, you know, and uh, that partner then pursued to go to all of our friends and say, hey, don't hang out with them anymore. And it wasn't, you know, at some point, it's not about the money. It's yeah. more about the principle. And he didn't like being bought out. And our failure, and, and I think most people's failures is you're not, you're not, what happens at the type of exit, type of sale? Nobody thinks about that unless you've been in several businesses. And that's funny because it becomes a trait where it's more important to where like, if I talk to a guy about getting into business together and the first thing he says is, all right, so what happens on the exit or what happens when we decide we don't want to work together? I know that guy's been through some shit yep, yep. <laughs> because yep. he, his mindset is focused on that as a primary thing. Yep. And he, that is the only thing that you can't, like you can tell people that, but they don't learn it until that happens yeah. to them. Until it For happens. most people, I'd say 90% of all entrepreneurs, yeah. at least 90% don't realize that factor until later. And I still am bad at it. You know, <laughs> that's not the first thing I bring up because I'm, I'm less concerned about that. I'm more concerned about generating revenue and, and making money and, and right. building a great business. Yeah. Really. Let's just go. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's go. And like, you can just tell when these guys are like, all right, so what does it look like an accident? And then that's the hardest thing is then you have to, you have to ponder that. Like, all right, if we do, you know, yeah. and then you're like, wait, we're gonna do a hundred million of this thing. Everything you're gonna do hundred million with, right? So <laughs> <laughs> we get to hundred million. That just set that as your baseline because that's where you want to be, and just set that goal. And then you know, if you get to hundred million, this, and you get to ten million, this, you know, one million, this, yep. you know? yep. And when who decides to sell when? And anyway, so, so anyway, so that that's I think the uh, the most determining, most important factor in, in education. I think people need to kind of focus, absorb for when they're gonna get into business with somebody. Yeah. It's just being honest about the, about the road. You said it, most people don't think about it because maybe they haven't been part of it, but whether the, whether the end result is to sell, to exit, to hand off to your children, sell to your partner, all of those things, one of those things will happen at some point, even if you hold on to it to the last day that you're alive, Yeah, one of those things is then going to happen. So why not at least talk about it, prepare for it. And then that way, if it were to happen a little sooner than expected, you know, you're not in a, in a, in a show of craziness, right? Exactly. hundred percent. You got it. Mark, you've been incredible. So much of your knowledge dropped here today, but so much more. I wish we could keep going. Where can the listener find you? If they want to continue to pick your brain, maybe there's a, maybe they, maybe they have a company that, that you need to acquire or maybe vice versa. Maybe they want to do a partnership with you. Of course, talk contracts first. Yeah. How can they, how can they find you? Yeah. So yeah, I'm always acquiring businesses. We also broker businesses. So best way to find me is just marketmediareps.com. Uh, social media, somebody else checks and probably doesn't check. So don't even Try and message me on social media and, or, you know, on my cell phone is best. Honestly, I'm very direct. I don't, uh, you know, it's funny. It's always put my cell phone, I've been on my cell phone to probably you know, 5 million people over my time. 
Yeah. And, you know, between emails, between cards, you know, thousands of people each, maybe a thousand people every convention. I'd say I've gone to, and I've gone to a convention once every month for 20 something years, right? So that's 12,000, 12,000 times, you know, how many years? 20 years. Yeah. So like wow. 120,000 right there, right? And then, you know, on emails, who knows? But my emails and everything, nobody phone calls you. No, yeah. Nobody calls you. So don't be afraid to give out your, your cell phone, <laughs> your direct contact. The worst thing that could happen is you block them, especially nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say do that. And, but yeah, you can reach me on my cell or just direct on my email. It's my That's awesome. company, Media Reps. Yeah, we'll put all that in the show notes as well for them to be able to connect with you. And, and again, just thank you for making yourself available. I think entrepreneurs everywhere appreciate your intelligence, number one, but then also just, just the the grit that you've been through. Some of the realness that you're able to share was super incredible. So I personally appreciate it. Look forward to uh, getting to know you even better. Blessings upon your businesses and your teams. And uh, we wish you nothing but success and all that. And thank you for being here. Cool. Thanks, Chaz. You too. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together one thousand kings specifically who are grateful but not done we're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business family and communities and here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy so if that relates and and resonates with you and you know that you need people around you sharp qualified other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.